What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel O'Connor. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Thursday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel here with Joel L. Condon and Dennis Dick. It's going to be one of those mornings here. I can tell what, uh, what kind of morning it'll be when I go and look at my, my scanners in the Benzinga Pro. I've got my up scanner and my down scanner. And, and whichever one of those is populated by leveraged ETFs, and the, uh, that's, that's the one that's going to dom- – that's the, the, the trend that will dominate the morning. So this morning, my up uh, scanner is dominated by all of the uh, inverse ETFs uh, out there, the pro shares, the velocity shares, the directions, not a lot of stocks uh, near the top there. So it's going to be one of those mornings where the market is uh, under pressure. Uh, as far as individual headlines, well, we have a couple of M&A deals off the table. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the pressure yesterday and just the turnaround uh, in some stocks. Jerome Powell, probably not helping things. He wasn't super positive yesterday uh, in, in his remarks uh, after that meeting. Uh, our guest, we have two guests actually, Mark Chicken will join us at 8.15. He is the founder of Chicken Analytics. And then at 9, I will be joined by Steve Galagian. He is the co-founder of Ticker Talker and is also a chief market strategist. So Mark at 8.15, Steve at 9. Uh, we'll bring Joel on now. Joel, give us a quick update here in where we stand now in the pre-market session. Don't forget... You're on mute, though. Let me do the old mute trick. There we go. Good morning, investors. And I want to say good morning to Dell Boy. Looks like 9i uh, listens to us in the UK. I will answer your question when uh, Triple D comes on here. Uh, something we haven't seen in a while. In the red and deep in the red. Uh, choppy session yesterday off Jerome Powell's comments. We close and just follow through in the after hours. Big follow through on the downside, folks. Uh, we're down 69 handles. I'm talking the June contract still. 
and that will be until Monday. Uh, didn't get much above the close, 3185, 3186 close. Hi, right there, pre-market low, 3114 and a quarter. I put a lot of numbers on my sheet, but the last last low I have here is 3106.50. That's only eight points away. So there's my next target on the downside. Uh, gold hanging out in the 1700 handle, up 1270 at 1726. Silver still over 18. That's up 29.4 cents at 1809. Bitcoin in the red by $120. Those are the futures at 9,815. Triple D, a lot of red on the screen here. Yeah. I, I hope you uh, you navigated it well overnight. Yeah, I'm positioned pretty good, I think. Um, I'm bringing in some winners here right now. Obviously, I trade pretty hedged overnight, but I was a little biased to the short side, which is going to help me, I think, this morning here. Because you could see, you know, the weakness that we had. It was obviously we were weak from 4 o'clock right to 8 o'clock. So I had a bias going already that we were going to be weak. We had a little rally in the S&Ps after the 8 o'clock close, and I was like, oh, I'm not sitting that pretty. I'm kind of more positioned to the short side. And then, obviously, the overnight collapse. So it's probably going to be a good trading day for me. Um, with regards to the overall market here, I mean, you could call it a lot of things. Obviously, maybe it's just some profit-taking. I mean, we've been on an incredible run. Let's put this in perspective because a lot of people are coming out here and you know throwing in the towel um we got a really good run it was ridiculous it was so easy on the bulls we were due for a major pullback is this the pullback to buy depends on the stock i would say i'm i'm i mean obviously you know some of the stocks like you know and everybody wants to talk to airlines because they flew and now they've been grounded here again all those puns intended um you get to a point where they're probably bounce they're probably due for a bounce because they're probably as much as they were overbought a week ago when we were talking about it and we talked on the Friday show that it felt like upside capitulation, it indeed was the top. So, you know, sometimes people call the top. I actually did call the top on Friday on the airlines and the banks. When you see these ridiculous moves, you can sometimes just feel it. And that was all feel last Friday. And if you rewind the show, I was calling it before it happened. I said, you know, multiple times on the Friday show. And I think I even tweeted it out that it felt like everybody has to buy. Everybody just wants to be in the shorts or throwing in the towel. And that's why I was talking about shorting the open last Friday. And that's when Wells Fargo topped out. And I didn't take any heat on that at all. You know, obviously it would have been nice to hold those shorts because you're looking at Wells Fargo at 3389 open on Friday. And since then it's just been straight down. It's back at 27. So, you know, on the banks, let's talk like about 50% retracements. I mean, are we through that, Joel? Let's look at Wells Fargo first. We come back to the Do airlines. That, Dennis. I just want to get this question out of the way what real is it? quick. Um, so he's, uh, we have, uh, Del Boy 91, I think, or 9L watching all the way from London. And I've been talking about the expiration of contracts and rollover, and I probably didn't make myself clear. The actual expiration of the June futures contract is not until next Friday. And it's called triple, which if you could, uh, if you include the, uh, options on uh, stock options, uh, stock futures, it's the quad wedge. But that happens four times a year, March, June, September, and December. But what happens is, is they roll over the contracts. That means the front month, the one the majority of the volume in, rolls over on the, on the Wednesday preceding the rollover. So the second Wednesday of the month. 
So yesterday was the second Wednesday of the month. That's where the volume officially migrates into the September contract. Now you can tell most people are still trading the June right now, but the open interest hasn't shifted over yet. So that's what I meant. There was no expiration. It's just a rollover of the contract. Now the Merck and a lot of traders consider the September, the U, like Spoo's and my Twitter name as a front month contract. But for me, I will still be trading the June today and tomorrow because that's where the lion's share of the volume is. Why does the rollover matter? Why does the rollover matter? Yeah, because, and I'll be honest with you, I don't use it in my trading, but I know you use it in yours and you've used it successfully for 25 years. So I'm not going to say, you know, it doesn't matter anymore because I just don't trade futures. But if you're a futures trader, why does the rollover matter? Because it splits the liquidity there okay. um, for a That's couple a great sessions. Point. Yeah. So when you're splitting liquidity, you get more pockets, vacuum pockets. Great point. What did you see last night? What did you see yesterday during uh, Powell's speech? I mean, absolutely thin, right? Also, the open interest has to transfer over. And mm -hmm. a lot of times you'll see, and this is kind of like a precursor to the actual rollover. I mean, to the actual expiration. And a lot of times expirations are major turning points in the markets. The March expiration turned out to be, you know, uh, a wild one. And I, uh, um, you know, for the market. This expiration, who knows if we could get, you just see a lot of excess activity. You see a lot of unwinding of positions and a lot of people are changing hearts. So it's the open it, you know, open issue shifts over. But the main reason is the vacuums uh, that it creates in the market. And that's a that's great why point you're making and something, you know, I don't think we've mentioned that on the show before, but um, obviously liquidity is a major issue. We talk about overnight. That's why you have the big moves overnight. I know um, we just had uh, actually Andrew Ross Sorkin had a guest on and was talking about the moves in the last um, um, 25 years in the stock market. And he was saying, if you had bought overnight and sold on the open, so bought the close and sold the open for the last 25 years, you're up like 600% on the S&P. If you had bought the open and sold the close, you were down 3% on the S&P for the last 25 years. So for the last 25 years, intraday, the market has gone nowhere. That's unbelievable. It's all been overnight. So all the gains are overnight. It's probably why I switched to overnight trading a decade ago, because I realized that's where the good action was. So, you know, buying overnight and selling the next day, you get these pockets of liquidity and the stuff really moves. Mm -hmm. And I've always been one to, you know, trade where, um, you know, I can make the most money. I want to, you know, obviously, so I, I switched to trading, you know, a lot of night trading and after hours trading and pre-market trading to take advantage of and holding overnight to take advantage of these overnight moves. And I didn't really know those stats. I just realized that, hey, I can make a lot of money trading overnight. And then I switched to an overnight trader. I mean, there's not a lot of traders. I don't, I think I'm pretty unique. You know, there's a lot of day traders, a lot of swing traders, and those obviously trade overnight. But I focus on like trading the close and, and holding it the next day. Like, okay, I think this stock is going to be doing something the next day because there's a catalyst. You know, like I've, I've really switched my focus. But, you know, I've always talked about liquidity being lower. But, you know, when you talk about the role, you've talked about it for years. You mentioned that pockets of liquidity. Okay, now we have even less, which means we can move more. Even more. Yeah. And I would say, you know, over the years and stuff, some of the, you know, some of my better winners have been things that I have put on overnight. And with a, with a stop, you know, yeah. it's just easy, like put me in here 
And I mean, I was I was trying to sell too high last night. I was trying to sell at thirty one ninety seven. You know, they laughed at me. They only got to thirty one eighty eight fifty. But I would have had a I would have had a good stop in there, right? A generous stop. And if I got stopped out, I got stopped out. But if it gets something on the downside, it would have more exceeded my target. So, um, and the trends are just different. But just going over to the quad, which uh, expiration, we've seen a lot of different things, turning points in the market. March was the March rollover I'm looking at. It wasn't quite the low, but those were pretty unusual times. And then that craziness that we had right before we turned and we talked about that was Mark. There was some people unwinding, you know, like that last rollover into that volatility must have been extremely tricky. And Mark talked about the unwinding of the gamma trade and, and whatnot and inducing. So I don't know if we're going to have a repeat of what we had in uh, mid-March or not, but um, all of a sudden we're 115 points off the high of the move and looking weak. Deserved just, though. Deserved. We needed a pullback and the trash stocks, when they started buying bankrupt companies, you knew you were getting close to the end. I mean, when they can't stop buying, you know, the, the, the Hope Trade and Robin Hood and, you know, whoever it is just coming in and buying anything, anything that's down, you knew it was getting close to the end. So I think for the trash stocks, I think the highs are in for a very long time. I think if you're looking for good companies, though, and think about, you know, the stocks that have started to lead the last couple of days, the big tech, you get some tech pullbacks here, probably buying opportunities. Again, I don't think the tech's going away. Some of the valuations on some of the tech stocks are extreme, but on some other ones, they're not. We know I'm loaded up with Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, Google. I've got the whole, you know, that's my portfolio. If you look at my portfolio, I just full of tech. It's been holding up very well. I mean, today it's getting smacked, but even the stocks, if you look at the individual tech stocks today, they're not down like the overall market. Apple's down 1.5%. Spy's down 2.2%, so Apple's not even falling as much. The Qs themselves down 1.5%. They usually move very close with Apple. Amazon down 2.2%, so Amazon's down a little bit more, but Amazon's been on an incredible run too. Four-day move needed to cool off a bit. It just got silly yesterday up at 27.22. Needed to cool off. But on a pullback here, you're not in a stock like Amazon. I still think Amazon's going to 3000 Am I coming in and buying the American Airlines pullback? If it gives me a double bottom or something for a trade, maybe. Am I putting AAL in my long-term investment portfolio? No, I am not. And I still think you're going to have a couple airline bankruptcies here. So even though they've had these incredible runs and, you know, and the cruise lines have as well, I don't think they're out of the woods on any of this. If we have, and this is a big F, but if we have to go into a second lockdown, there will be so many bankruptcies coming. It cannot, the, the market will be significantly lower if we have to go into a second lockdown. I don't think, they're going to do everything in their power not to do that. Trump is dead set against that. We'll be having to have, you know, seeing hospitals overwhelmed, you know, deaths, you know, like going way higher than 2,000 a day because we know the market's already comfortable with 2,000 a day. That would, that would have to be the case. But if COVID comes back with a vengeance on the second wave, and I'm not saying this to spook you here today. I'm just saying reasons why the market is nervous today. Seeing Texas, we're seeing Phoenix. Arizona, We've been seeing it yeah. for a few days, but it keeps rising there. The reopening is not going that well. So we're getting a little taste of the states that reopened pretty quickly. And they're not doing great. And that's why you're seeing a lot of this, you know, lockdown trade, you know, those stocks showing life. And the stocks of the reopening going down. 
With that being said, we have a long ways to go. We have a lack of information. We don't have the clarity. So we don't know if this is a pullback to buy or if we're now in a, a sell to rip market. But what I will say is if you're buying quality, I think it's a pullback to buy. If you're buying trash, they could bounce. Don't get married to those positions though. That's all I'm going to say because uh, trash is trash and a lot of these companies are going to still struggle. Hey, Dennis, one of the top comments here to start the show from Joseph at Triple D. Thanks for the top on airlines. I let my friends know and they all sold and we're grateful. Yeah, so send me a Christmas yeah. card. <laughs> yeah, send him a Christmas card. And um, just, uh, just, one other, just one other comment uh, that you were making. And, and uh, we'll bring Mark on. And we're going to bring Mark on. I see Mark in the background. Sure. Very tough market yesterday because as the spoos were indicating, you know, bouncing around and shorting, and I'm staring at Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, Google, and they're just super green. You know what I mean? And those are the top components. So, man, it just goes to illustrate your, you know, what you were saying about the strength in tech. Mr. Chaikin, how are you doing on this volatile Thursday morning? It's not volatile. It's just straight down. I'm doing fine. <laughs> Mark, Mark's been bearish for a bit um, on the show. Obviously, you know it's it's it's. It, I have too. You know, when we look at it from a fundamental basis, you know, a lot of this rally didn't make sense. You know, and and we got to think. And I was just talking about you know the Hertz, the bankruptcy trade, where they're they're they were scrambling last week trying to buy anything. When you start seeing bankrupt companies going up three four hundred percent, you know the top is. It feels like it's coming. That's why I was saying last week, I felt like we were topping out on Friday and we ended up topping out on Friday just because it got too silly. What are your indicators saying now? I mean, there's some good stocks out there too. There's some stuff I'm sure you're still bullish on. You know, Mark's been bullish and bearish, um, you know, for in different sectors here. Tell us your feel on the market, um, you know, for the last couple of weeks. Well, I, over the last two weeks, I've sort of transitioned to a place where I, I wish I had uh, transitioned a little earlier, which is that you can't fight the Fed. Yeah. And market momentum is just enormous here. And we're seeing a pullback. Uh, I thought we'd see a pullback of 5 to 10%. It would come out of nowhere, and, and it's likely to be over very quickly. The, the one thing I've been consistent about is what you just talked about. Uh, since mid-March, I've said that my biggest fear is a premature reopening of the economy that doesn't go well. I think it's in an election year, given what happened the last time, I think it's like 99% that you can't put the genie back in the bottle. So I don't think there's going to be a second lockdown. I think people are going to die, sadly. Uh, but you also have to look at the fact that these protests, the Black Lives Matter protests, have triggered a part of that second wave. A lot of the athletes at colleges who participated in these protests have um, come down with the virus and also transmitted it. So there's been a lot of social interaction as opposed to social distancing without masks. And so uh, I think this is just going to be a fact of life. And it's not going to go away in the summer. It's going to come back in the fall. And as Fauci said, this is probably going to be with us for years to come. So. The market has somehow adapted to this. Um, the Fed has given us an unlimited put. Uh, we, we've recognized that all along, but I wasn't um, early enough in recognizing the power of that put combined with the fact that $1.2 trillion has moved into money market funds since mid-March. There's an awful lot of cash on the sidelines, still a lot of shorts to be covered, and I'll let you guys start interacting on that note. 
what stocks do you like? I know we're getting a pullback here, and every time we get a pullback, people want to know what are you buying. Um, tell you would you I be buying like. anything this pullback? Yeah, I, I tell you what I don't like. I don't like this um, uh, this cyclical trade. I think that is just um, dangerous quicksand. I I have continued all along to like the uh, secular growth stocks that made new highs yesterday. I'm scratching my head to figure out who barreled into Microsoft, Adobe, Apple. Uh, but they did. It, the, the spikes up there are just unbelievable. I wonder if that has to do with some sort of flow into the queues. I know money had come out of the queues last week, but I wonder, you know, this could be the, the um, chicken and egg story. If they're buying the queues or the TQQQ, which has just been a barn burner, um, then they've got to be, uh, the, the basket creators have to be buying these big stocks. And I think that's part of it. Uh, it's hard to believe that there was enough demand on its own for those big names to push them all to new highs like they did, but they did. It's been an unbelievable run for a few stocks and the run continues, I know, and you're just pointing those out. NVIDIA new all-time highs yesterday, Apple new all-time highs. PayPal, um, love it, PayPal. And PayPal too, you know, it's been an unbelievable move. I think about the move from the March lows in these stocks and who would have thought two and a half months later when we, you know, we're looking at, you know, the grim situation that the economy is, was in and is still in to a certain extent um, that you'd see PayPal double in three months, that you would see Apple, the one of the biggest companies in the world go from $200, just over $212 to 352 I mean, I'll give you an even more uh, bizarre story. Lululemon, with their stores closed, the stock has made this extraordinary all-time high, and Wall Street analysts are falling over themselves to raise their estimates. So yeah, is this just lemmings, the analysts just lemmings here, or is there something the to it? lemmings, yeah, they always Lemmings. <laughs> Mark says lemmings. <laughs> yeah, definitely, but, I, you know... Um, Man, we are getting pounded here, folks. Here we are we're about to breach yeah. uh, 3,100. Holy mackerel! Wait for I think we're probably going to test 3,000. Very, very, very. Like quickly. by the end of the show. Uh, <laughs> well, let's, you know, they tended to rally on the um, on the unemployment claims number. So let's see what happens. But you know, this is now. You know, everybody's saying that there's a new bubble forming. Go back to February before the market peaked and look at what Shopify was doing and Tesla. I think this is just a, a continuation of this incredible speculative uh, undercurrent in the market. Now it's in, it's in Tesla again, and then it's, in, it's in stocks like Lululemon. That chart to me looks like 1999, but, uh, with the, but in 99, you didn't have the Fed giving you an unlimited put. I, I want to just add that Lulu is due to report earnings after the close today. Yes. So anyone trading yeah. that, note that. Yeah, and, and boy, the bar is very high there. I don't know. What do you guys think? This is, this, uh, this is a market. Again, this isn't 99 where you're buying eyeballs unless you're looking at Nikola. How do you pronounce that? It's so new, I don't even know how to pronounce it. I, I assume it's Nikola, like, like the person? Yep. <laughs> I mean, it, it was 1999 for a, a week or two here. And there's a point, and, you know, I've been making this point on the show here too, is if you're just getting your Robinhood account open, and it all happened pretty fast, you know, like if you were just getting your Robinhood, and people don't move quickly, but, you know, they, they, get, they get shut out, you know, their job, middle of March, and they're like, okay, well, what am I going to do? And they're like, oh, this day trading thing. You know, they see this Portnoy guy, you know, coming in and, you know, uh, being a day trader. You know, he's at home. You know, let's just try this day trading thing out. So you have a lot of new traders coming in. 
any new trader that's getting their account open late March, early April has only experienced the good, the rally. They didn't see any of the March stuff. They saw it in the news maybe, but they didn't experience it with their own money. So you get to a point where, you know, it just the frenzy just took over here in, in last week where, you know, these day traders and newer ones, you know, Robinhood, we were hearing that 5% of the Jets ETF was held by Robinhood accounts. That's an incredible amount held by retail traders, you know, because they're small, but when there's so many of them that they all add up. So they haven't experienced these down markets yet. So this is like the first real big like slap in the face. It's like, you know, they were maybe buying American Airlines last week and, you know, maybe they bought it at 18 or 19 and ran to 22. Like this is the easiest game ever. And now they're sitting here looking at a 14 and, and scratching their heads a little bit saying, well, it's got to come back, doesn't it? They were probably saying that yesterday and now it's down here again. Is this not maybe a little bit of the Robin Hood shakeout trade we're seeing, Mark? Oh, well, it's definitely a shakeout trade. Um, and whether they go away or not is, is anyone's guess. But I think what you've got to consider here is that the bad news that everybody's referring to this morning about the um, reopening, that's been around for five, six, seven days. You can go back to your Sunday paper and, you know, the numbers in um, Texas, California, Arizona, and Florida have been ugly. And I was so saying the exact it, same thing on, on the pre pre market show to Dennis. These numbers, I, I they've I, been there. People have been ignoring them, though. Yeah, but this is just you know people finding an, a reason why the market's down. The market's down because there's profit taking going on. Uh, Powell's comments were as good as you could have hoped for. So uh, you know it's it's sort of a sell on the news. Okay, we reaffirm that there's zero interest rates going through the end of 22 and probably longer. And they don't see a reflation uh, problem. So I think profit taking, and I just wish I knew what went on in those big stocks at the close yesterday, because it was magical. I think there's people scrambling around trying to find and, and find, you know, the winners and there. And, and this is what, you know, especially when you're a newer trader. I mean, I've seen, you know, I, we've been, had a prop firm here for, you know, I've been working prop for 21 years. I've saw a lot of new traders come in. So, you know, you really get an experience of how the new trader thinks. You know, I have to think back 20 years when I was a new trader as well and how I thought back then too. But you think like, okay, what's moving? Oh, I'm going to go jump into that. I'm going to go <laughs> jump into this. Yep. I mean, this is what the newer traders go. Oh, this is going up. I got to go buy this. And that really, and, you know, and it's called the chase trade. And I've been saying for years, I don't chase because I learned in that first six months that I lose a lot of money chasing. Chasing worked all last week. It worked big time. It worked for the last couple it, weeks. Yeah. Really, the last week, it really started to work, though, where you saw, you know, American Airlines traded from 12 to 15. And I said on the show, well, I've been punished chasing. I'm not going to chase American Airlines up 30% here. What did it do? It went up another 50% the next two days. Now, my jaw hits. I'm like, I cannot believe these things. But I think it's so many newer traders just chasing the hell out of everything. Well, and now the chase, is, is, the chase is like a little bit, you know, like people are probably scrambling to get the hell out. Well, Dennis, remember, you've got computers programmed to pick up these momentum trades. So, oh, yeah. So, uh, oh, yeah. You I know, agree. There's no question there. Hey, well, look what's going on in Regeneron this morning. They announced that they're going into testing on a COVID, and it's, it's spiked up to a new all-time high in the face of the market down 2%. So yes, what to buy it. On weakness only, you buy bio, the good quality biotech stocks, Regeneron, Vertex, uh, whatever your flavor of the month is. Uh, Biogen's a different story. That seems to be in a, 
in a flat to down pattern. But um, Regeneron has been a favorite all along, and it's going to be hard to buy the stocks I like. How do you buy Microsoft? What kind of pullback can you expect in Microsoft, Adobe, um, Amazon? It's hard to imagine a big, big pullback unless the market and the spoos and cues pull it down. It's not going to be supply-driven selling. It's going to be a lack of demand on a temporary basis. So we'll see. Yeah, along those lines, and actually, Triple D, I was going to call you and, and talk to you about this. I just think that what you have right now is I think that a lot of these momentum, and maybe the funds too, maybe they're just trading on like a two- to three-day time frame. I mean, I know that the hedge funds and the people that take the longer positions, but to me, like something like this American Airlines, like, you know, they see it. The momentum gets going. They can bring the bids in. They, you know, they have the size. They have the capital. And they're, all, they're doing it with all the, you know, the full intention. And I'm not talking about anything illegal, but just pumping it and pumping it and knowing that they can get it going. But their full intent, maybe their target was 20 bucks on uh, American Airlines when they, they started at 16. And that's all they cared about is we're going to get long a zillion at 16. We're selling it at 20, you know, no matter what, two or three different of those programs get going. And then it gets over 20 and, you know, they, you know, a lot of these huge players work out of the trades while the little guy's getting in. So I, I think it's just like the time frame too. I mean, the people that were in there, they would have traded 400 million, 300 million in American Airlines. Are those funds coming in and buying, you know, 50 million shares to hold for six months? I don't think so. I mean, I think a lot is what's attributed to these rallies is the shorter and shorter time frames of these larger traders. Joel, you have to throw in short covering. That's that's the that's the hidden um, demand uh-huh. factor in some of these stocks. Uh, the hedge funds are short the obvious names. They're short the uh, cyclical stocks, the ones that are hardest hit by. COVID, so it's the cruise lines, the airlines, some of the retailers, and they're getting squeezed. There's no question about it. Um, I think a lot of them squeeze, but I think they redeploy. I I think they they buy and then they, I mean, if they're really convicted shorts, uh, you know, like I think, look what happened to Tailored Brand last week, 45% short interest. You know, it it went up, it went up considerably and, you know, it was up to 250. And the shortage just really never came down. I was looking for more of a short squeeze than that. Then boom, Bloomberg comes out, uh, exploring bank jumping. Boom, 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 boom. They pound it right back down. So, yeah, short interest is a thing. And, you know, you never know if, if the shorts are played against some other positions or whatever. But uh, sorry for that little uh, that little uh, sidebar there. But I just wanted to throw that in. Uh, that's all right. By the way, there is not, according to the experts, a big gamma unwind here. Uh, okay. I, I, okay. That's why today's move is even more dramatic. Um, the the gamma trade is uh, south of um, twenty nine fifty, and we're not even close. And you throw in that jobs number on Friday, right? That had everyone scratching their head, right? Because what a great great number, great America. And then, they, and then the footnote, it didn't do it right, anyways. Yeah, so. I'm very suspicious of that number, and maybe that's uh, a part of what the selling is all about, because Powell was suspicious of the number in, in his own way. He basically said, we're not going to change policy based on one, you know, one month's data, but I'm very suspicious of that number. All right, we just got jobless claims down a couple minutes ago, 1.54 million claims filed last week, which is, I guess, 
in line or whatever. I mean, the numbers are all astronomical anyway. So 1.54 versus 1.55 million jobs, uh, jobless claims filed. Uh, still going down on a weekly basis, but we're still at historical levels here. So I guess it is what it is. I'm not really sure. Um, Mark Chaikin is the founder of Chaikin Analytics. Mark, before I let you go, just any final thoughts here on like how to approach today or, or tomorrow? Just well, from a trading point of view, be be careful uh, because uh, we're likely to test 3,000. It's the obvious magnet point. Uh, we're down around, what, 3,100 right now on the futures, 3,105. And I, I think you've got to buy the dips, but uh, you can't wait for confirmation. If they get down around 3,000 and you've got a lot of cash, I think you have to put money to work. And if you can't find the individual names and just buy the cues. So, so buy the basket. All right, Mark, thanks a lot for the time as always and stay safe out there, especially if these cases start to pick up again. And you as well. They're not picking up in Connecticut. I can tell you that. All right. It's a blessing. Be good. good. All right. Have a good one, Mark. All right. 833 here. Uh, tickers flying in the chat. Uh, yeah, of... throw a few tickers out there. We've been talking in the overall market here. Let's, what do we yeah. got? Let's do, let's do five minutes tickers here. Actually, here, before we do that, I want to do a couple. Of, there's a few M&A headlines that, that came out yesterday. Oh, sure. That, that kind of fell through here. So sure. one of them is uh, Gruber is not happening. Grubhub and Gruber. Gruber, Gruber would have been a cool name, though. Uh, Hans Gruber would have been a cooler name, but that is what not... movie is that from, Dennis? <laughs> I don't Mr. Know. Movie Guy. <laughs> I have no come, idea. Come on. I don't know where Hans Gruber is from. Oh, oh I got you. I have no idea. That's very, you, that's very disappointing, Dennis. Where, I have where, what movie is it? <laughs> Spencer? <laughs> that's from Die Hard. Come on, Dennis. That's, oh. that's the best Christmas movie yes! ever. Yes. I love Die Hard, but I, I, didn't am, the, I, I am the movie baby. Yes. Wow. And he's fallen out of the building. He has that look on his face. Remember like, that? Like, that, oh, that like he has that look of anyone who's long Uber this morning. Like, oh, what, <laughs> what did I just do? Anyway, Uber <laughs> uh, Uber and Grubhub is not to be. Grubhub is going to merge with uh, uh, justeattakeaway.com, who I have never heard of. Uh, but that's the story there. So Uber down this morning, although that could be with, with the rest of the market. I'll pull up the Grubhub chart here as well, and you can kind of compare them. Grubhub is up on that news. Um, I traded this a few times yesterday. I was in Grub. I bought it on the rumor and in the middle of the afternoon because I thought that the premium could be okay. And then they came out and said, somebody on CBC said, oh, it's not going to have a good premium. So I'm like, well, that sucks. And the stock went down. I had bought it around $58 and went down to 55 But I'm like, I still don't believe it. I think the premium is going to be better because I think there's multiple bids. Out. You know, there's been multiple people interested. I don't think they're going to sell just for 60 bucks. So I took it home and then the number came out afterwards and I actually was trading after hours. I actually sold it a little, it went up and I actually sold out of it. This was a trade. It was all a trade. I sold out of it at 61, 62 before the number. And then the, the, the actual news came out and they said 75. So I rebought it at 62 and a half and thinking, okay, it's 75. It's got to get you know legs to maybe 67, 68 on this. And it would not go up. It just did not want to go up. It was fighting. It was trying to go up a bit. I finally turned around and sold it for a small gain after about you know five to ten minutes after the headline because it didn't feel like it wanted to go up. And then you're thinking, okay, well, antitrust issues. Maybe they hit the acquirer, which is a, a European company. So multiple factors here why it doesn't trade up to 75. I knew it wasn't going to trade at 75 with antitrust and also with the European company. And you know they might hit the acquirer over in Europe that you think it's probably going to trade with a 10% discount at least 
I just didn't think it would trade with that much of a discount. So I thought it should have went higher. Um, I haven't seen what the European stocks doing. I'm so busy with the markets over here. I never looked over there to the European stocks to see what's happening there. But um, anyways, so that's, so I, I made a little bit of money on it. I made two or three points on it. It was pretty good. I thought I would have made more on that headline. Didn't work out. Now we are sub 3,100 folks. We just hit 30, 98, 75. I even had to put some new numbers on my sheet here. And believe it or not, your five day low, just going back five days ago, we had a low at 30, 87.50. So if you're looking to cover a potential short here, uh, you know, we haven't had a limit situation in a while. We still What's got- limit down? Uh, the long ways. Yeah, yeah, another two percent, but yeah, uh, they'll five percent on the S and P's. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah a long no, ways away. I don't think you're gonna see that. Not today, but yeah, they'll do it overnight. Really, <laughs> all these almost happen. So me overnight. and you can argue about the spiders and the S and P's. I mean, oh, okay. So here's the situation: if you're in all those trash stocks, I mean, I hope you're not. If you've been listening to the show, you probably aren't because we've been trashing the trash stocks. Even when they were going up, we were trashing them. We we're trashing them on the way down here too. You're in the airlines, you're in the cruise lines, you're in those things long. It feels like today could be the capitulation day where, you know, Robin Hood traders are going to say, get me the hell out. So maybe they open near the lows. I would mark if I'm trading these things, see where they open. Write that down. Do you see them bounce right away from the open or do you see them start to leak through the open? But let's say they open, they go down a little bit, come back up through the open. That's the trading opportunity. Something Joel Alconin taught me you know, 20 years ago, is that open is so critical because it's such a big liquidity event. So many people are marked from there. So meaning marked, meaning that's your price where you're in or you're out. So write down the opening price. You know, let's just say we'll set up a hypothetical situation. RCL you're interested in for whatever reason. I'm not advocating to buy anything. (laughs) None of this junk. But anyways, if you are so inclined to make trades and then put the trading hat on, RCL opens, let's say 54 bucks. It goes down to 52 on a flush. It comes back up to 54 and starts going through the opening price. That's where I would strike long, get the momentum on your side. So not so much trying to catch the falling knife, but trying to catch it when the momentum turns. That's how I've made my money trading. That's a Joel Alcon t- tactic right there. So I obviously, you know, Joel's on the show here right now, but I just told your whole strategies is looking at that opening price and then coming back from there. Not trying to say, oh, it's going to open too low. I'm just going to buy the open because you know what? The flash could happen after the open too. These a lot of these are crowded trades. A can lot of these clarify? trades very crowded. Can we clarify? Because there are probably like degrees of trash stocks, right? Like Boeing, <laughs> like Boeing. No, no, but like Boeing. Yeah, there is. Boeing, yeah, Boeing, yeah Boeing, no, it's true. That's I'm not laughing. The airlines and the cruise stocks and Boeing are, are are in a different group than like Genius Brands and uh, Express and ex- all these stocks that are just ripping off. That, that were nothing before this, right? So there are degrees. So can we like talk about that for a second? There are degrees of, when you say trash stocks, uh, these companies that were, that, were sure. well, that were well capitalized and have real business, uh, the airlines. All these companies have real businesses though. So when I'm saying trash stocks, I mean the stocks that are in a negative cash flow situation right now. You could call them zombie companies and call them whatever you want. But you know, I'm saying, and I'm not saying trash companies, I'm saying trash stocks, the stocks that they were throwing out for the trash in March, they've had it wicked bounces. But, you know, now you're coming in. If you are so inclined to get in these things, this is a pullback. I mean, if you're so inclined, even the banks, you're so inclined and saying, I missed the Wells Fargo boat. Well, the boat just came back to the dock. 
So if you think that we are not going to get hit hard in a second lockdown, if you think COVID is not going to hit us hard in a second wave, today is a buying opportunity on all those stocks. I don't know if that's the case, which is why maybe, you know, I'm more focused on still tech and stuff that works, even if COVID sticks around, because I kind of think COVID's going to stick around. But I might add a bank or two if it looks as a trade. So Wells Fargo, set up a trade for you here. What's, Joel, what's a 50%? I already figured it for you. 27. I knew I was going to ask for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 27.75. So we're just through the 50% retracement right now in four days. So we hear we had a run for three weeks. (laughs) And in four days, we just retraced it all. So you've got some people throwing in the towel here this morning. They're slamming Wells Fargo down. I would say, if I, and I hope you threw in the towel the day I was telling you to throw in the towel, which was right at the top of the 33.89. But if you weren't listening to the show or weren't listening to what I was talking about and you're in this thing still, I think I'd, I'd, I'd wait to see how it materializes today because some of these things could turn on a day like this. So I, I, let's see where it opens. Wells Fargo opens, let's say, 27. Flushes them to 26 and a half, comes back through 27. I might strike and try some longs. If it continues to flush, I have no trades. I'll watch the, the, the fall. But you see how I'm protecting myself there. That in the event that this ugly day turns into a really ugly day, I'm not going to get hit. In the event that this ugly day starts to look like it rebounds, I'll start to buy some stocks. That's how I protect myself. And yep. so what do you do after that point? Let's say, you know, it gets up through the open and you buy it. Contingency plan now is I stop myself out at the low of the day. So Wells Fargo, hypothetical situation, opens 27, flushes to 26, comes back up to 27. That's where I'm going to buy. It's like 27.05, 27.10 cuz momentum's now on my side. I would place my stop then at 26 bucks. So I'm risking a buck and saying that I think the flush happened. That's how I set up those trades. That would have worked on the opposite back last Friday if you were doing that. You would have taken zero heat on the open. But, I mean, there's you know opportunities like American Airlines maybe a better example because it did open up. It opened up a little higher, but then came back through the open and then never looked back. So that's how I trade. That's how I protect myself. And, and this, is, uh, this is just different stocks. And I'm really glad that you mentioned that, Spencer, about different level of trash stocks. There's also just a different level of, you know, big cap stocks. And Wells Fargo is a stock that, let's say you really want to buy it, but you're not doing anything today. Wells Fargo is a stock that will give you a second look at an area. Uh, When it made that 22 bottom, right, the next day uh, we talked about that 22 low. I just switched over to work. Uh, When The day that it made the 22 low, I think the next day it made a 2202 low. Okay, so if you sat out that whole day when it swooned down, you looked at the 22 low, you were keeping an eye on 22 the next day, you got it. Same thing on the upside, but not as close. Let's say you were thinking of selling on uh, that Friday at 33.89. You didn't. The next day, it still gave you a shot in the 33 handle. It gave you a shot within 45 cents. Like So stocks like Wells Fargo are going to do that. Stocks like GE are going to do that. You know, Ford. You know, some of your heavily, more heavily traded big cap stocks. Others, you know, these wild childs, you know, they spike all over the place. But even if you don't want to act today on something like Wells Fargo, you could get a good reference point. That's how you picked up that Amazon after earnings was you didn't strike the day that it made the low. The second day. 
the second day. So mm. a lot of different, a lot of different ways uh, to look at things. I have a couple points to add. Uh, did, sure. you guys, did you guys see the report from Bloomberg last week that the founder of Chewy uh, cashed out of his Chewy stake, right? And he bought two stocks. What did he buy? He bought Apple and he bought Wells Fargo. He sold all his all of his stake. Uh, that's what that, that's what the article said. Yeah, he sold his stake in Chewy and bought Apple and Wells Fargo. When the founder sells all their stock, it's time to ring the register. No, no, okay, Chewy, no. we 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 talked <laughs> Chewy. That's that's not. I, you don't know how that happened. I mean, he's the founder, but he could he might not be the. I don't know if he's a CEO anymore, right? Uh, I don't I don't buy companies where the founder sells it all. Look, <laughs> you don't even know the story, okay? Just uh, you just told me the story. Just, yeah, Spencer, unless I'm, you're making it up. I don't know how involved <laughs> he is with the company. Is what I'm saying. So it's not necessarily an indictment of the company. I'm just saying he's the founder. Founder, he could have left the company three years ago. For all I know. We talked Chewy yesterday. Chewy's a lockdown play. Chewy's a stock that, you know, it's down 4% in the pre-market. It's a stock that could bounce back because if you think we're going into lockdown, people are going to buy their pet food online. It's the only reason it's at $49 is COVID. This is all COVID. This run and Chewy isn't, you know, the reopening trade. This is all a play on that. There's online sales. We got jacked in the last couple months because we're all sitting at home and we're buying our pet food online. COVID bonus. I, I, I've said before, Chewy feels like pets.com part two. Um, it's went up and it was a play. I mean, it was a play to get in all this stuff. You know, it's like why I turned on Peloton. I had originally called Peloton was $25 um, and just a, a bicycle with an iPad on it. And you know what? I went long it because the COVID changed that whole story, changed that whole narrative. Same thing for Chewy. As long as COVID is around, Chewy's going to be okay. If we solve COVID... I don't want to own Chewy and that's just, you know, something. So I would say on pullbacks, Simple. Chewy maybe still be a buy because COVID isn't going away anytime soon. But if we solve the COVID issue with vaccine or whatever it is, therapies, I don't think CHWY is a $47 stock. I, I, I mean, if you want to get in Chewy, I mean, I, 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 it is true. It's a COVID stock. It just came off earnings, made a new all time high. I would rather buy this thing at 5240. You know, he had two highs, 52.35 from yesterday and 52.26. You'd rather buy the breakout. They're just trying to stab it here at, uh, you know, the four-day low at 47.55, you know, because – or if you are, if you are trying – you know, if you're taking Dennis's, you know, side of the trade there and you are, you know, picking it up, then, I mean, just look at your daily lows for outs. I mean, if you're buying it at 47.5, where's it trading? Right there now. I mean, I'm not giving the thing to 44. You know, I just, you know, t- take a it's couple hard. stabs at it before you get it right. Because to me, I don't know. There's a lot, a lot of air underneath this one. And it just had it earnings. It just had it catalyst. I don't see um, analysts coming out and like upgrading this thing. So little breather in that one. Uh, longer term. That's just the way I'm looking at it. I have, I have one more comment on that last discussion. You guys were, were just sure. talking. It's a reflection of a comment in the chat. Our very own King of the Hill, uh, Rusty Shackelford, great alias, by the way, uh, noting uh, that this is a great lesson for anyone who's it's not an alias. That's really Rusty Shackelford. Yeah, okay. Uh, that, no, that's an alias. Anyway, um, uh, anyone who's in these, stuck in these airline stocks, if you're stuck in Genius Brands or a Cruise Line or whatever, this is a great time to realize you need an exit plan, right? If you're stuck, oh. now, it's a little bit late, but now you know going forward, if you're going to buy something, have an out, right? Know when yep. you're going to get out. And even if it's if it's a loss, even if you know I'm cutting the losses at 10%, whatever, 15%, 
happen out. This is a this is a yep. great lesson, and there there's no one no one who can teach you what it feels like to to lose money or or win money in the market. So you kind of have to just learn by by going through it. But this is a great experience for a lot of people who are maybe trapped in these stocks. And now you know you need an out. That's it's what the I, rounders think. Have yourself an out. Yeah, yeah I mean but... that that's it. Like have yourself outs, you know, and and that you know, and I've used that. I've even written a CFA article with that exact title. Always have an out when you're trading. I don't enter a trade thinking about how much money I can make. I never, never, listen to this, write this down, newer traders especially. I never enter a trade thinking about how much money I can make. I enter the trade thinking about how much money I can lose. So I always, I first think about my risk and then I think about my return. I don't think about my return and ignore my risk. I think about my risk and then my return. Somebody's asking me about space right now. It's at that 15 sport. I've, I've liked the stock. I bought it at 16. It went up to 17 and a half. It's pulling back with the overall market here. 1460 um, is a pretty big line in the sand here for me. If it starts to breach that, maybe this you know trade, which was going to hopefully be an investment, is going to turn back into a trade, and I'm going to eat my loss. 1460 is a big level for it. It hasn't breached that yet. It's getting slammed with the overall market here this morning, like everything is. It's down 6%. But you got to be very, very careful when you're trading, you know, all of this stuff, you need to have yourself outs. I mean, you can define if you, if you're willing to, you know, if you're willing to lose hundred percent on something, you better be making hundred percent on something because I can promise you one thing. If you're always taking your two, three, 5% winners and holding on to your stocks until they come back, never taking a loser. And we've seen this again and again in the prop industry from retail comes to prop. The retail trader will say, I've never had a loss before. How is that possible? It means you've never taken a loss before because your stocks have always come back. Eventually, you will be stuck in stocks that don't come back. Eventually, your portfolio will be a bunch of losers, and eventually, you will lose most of your capital. That is a given. If uh, you don't take losses, eventually, then the market will get you because you're always spinning out. If you just, if just hold, buy and hold, you're fine. If you're holding on your winners, making two, 300% on your winners, and you want to hold stuff down 100%, that's okay. But if you're always cutting, if you're always taking your winners at two, three percent, I'm just going to make my two percent. And when I make my two percent, I'm good to go. And you know, if I lose, if I get down five, ten percent, why well, I'm going to keep holding on until I get back up two percent, and then I'm going to sell it. That is the recipe, the guaranteed recipe to lose in this business. You have to cut losers if you are a trader. If you're an investor, Warren Buffett, a little different story. But even Warren Buffett cuts losers. We saw that with the airlines. Okay, interrupt me. More, more Mojo Politic hopping in the pre-market chat. He says he's one of these new Robin Hood morons that was up on Friday and now he's down. And he's asking, what is an out? And what he means by an out is, is when you're at, entering a trade, let's say you're buying a, a stock at a buck fifty, and you hope to make 50 cents on the trade. Good risk-reward ratio. This is very simple. Your out would be 25 cents, Okay. You're risking 25 to make 50. So an out, there's a lot of different terms. A stop, an exit, you know, a place where you're going to let go of the trade. And, you know, if you look at it too, Dennis, look at the years we've been doing stuff. Sometimes the best feeling is when you get it. I mean, you get out of a losing trade. Oh, my God. Some, I, that was, that some was of my pretty, best trades were losers. That was me when I, I sold my Under Armour in December. And I, it's one of the best trades. I've, I sold out at a loss. I lost, I don't know, like 5% or something. Uh, one of the best trades I've ever made was, was that losing trade. It's true. 
Some of the best trades I've ever made are losers. When you take and you work out of something, you know, or you take the loser fast and then you watch it just fall and fall and fall and you're like, thank goodness I got out of that. I mean, you know, my Kraft Heinz was a loser back in the day at 60. Well, it's at 32. It was a really good loser to take. I mean, and, and, you know, just going back to what Joel says, we're not calling, you know, we're not calling Robin Hood traders morons. We're, you know, no, 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 no. He called himself that. Yeah, yeah. He, he was just reading it from the chat. So I, I don't want people to get taken yeah, offense. Sure. Robin Hood yeah. traders. There is a lot of smart traders even in Robin Hood. Don't kid yourself. There's a lot of smart retail traders. I was just quote, quoting Reuters yesterday saying, you know, how, you know, and we were talking about the retail traders. And I'm like, you got to look out for retail traders. You never had to do that before. But, you know, these retail traders gang up on something. They really move. And some of these retail traders are really good. So, um, you know, obviously there's newer traders that are in the business. Anybody who's newer to the business is not going to have the expertise and they're probably more, be more apt to lose money in the long run because it takes time to figure this business out. But again, just, you know, outs is all just about discipline, having the discipline to say, I'm down money in this. I don't need to get my money back. I'm going to cut my loss and move on. Because like I said, a lot of times, you know, we had a, a trader upright trading. Um, you know, when we first started, and we won't use his name, but you know who I'm talking about, Joel. And he'd put on a position and go up, he'd sell it. If he put, you know, if it went down, he'd double down. And if it went down more, he'd double down again. If it went down more, he'd double down again. And it would come back. And 98, 99% of the time by that strategy, you get your money back. But that one to 2% that it doesn't come back, you lose months or years or your entire account. So eventually, inevitably, you're going to be in a stock that is not going to come back. You just picked wrong. I pick wrong. Everybody picks wrong. Everybody makes mistakes. This business is not about what you make on your winning trades. It's about what you lose on your losing trades. And if you can cut those losers and move on, you will be in this business a long time. Dennis, you should put that on your, on your gravestone. That was amazing. <laughs> Another chapter in the book. It's not about what you make on your winners. It's about what you lose on your losers. So, uh, yeah, that's it right there. Uh, in a nutshell. <laughs> okay, yeah, and never found average down. That's 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 the exact opposite of what we're talking about. That's, Joel, that's the exact opposite. <laughs> that's a joke Joel uses. It is a joke. Never frown average down. I use that with the traders too. It's like, I right, never frown average down. It's funny, but don't do it. If you loved it at a hundred, at ninety, it's just and I got that from uh, boiler room. Well, I well also on the oldie desk, you know, oh, yeah. when we traded, and a guy would be, you know, the head of the desk goes, "Hey, you know, you're long of fifty-seven thousand of this at uh, 90. And then, like, why? I like it at ninety, you know. Then it's at well, it's at eighty-two. You must absolutely love it now. And if it goes <laughs> to seventy-two, I mean. What a bargain, but no, that's the way you get in trouble. And, but you know, um, I don't think we have many people here that are, are doing that or else they wouldn't be too. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Uh, okay. <laughs> a, a lot of questions here uh, from the chat. Uh, someone, sure. asked, someone asked if you'd consider MGM, like put that in that group of trash stocks. Yeah. You would put it in the group with, with the airlines yeah. and, the, yeah, and, and, the, and the, the cruise lines. It's moving I, with that group. So I, I might, I look at this for a trade. Joel set up the 50% retracement. He's the, the fib master over here. $11. I'll let you do the math. 22. It looks like an 11 point move. Yep. Take five and a half off that from 22. You get yourself, you get close. 16 and a half. Is that right? Yeah, that's when you were. Uh, let's see, the low of the move. Uh, ooh, I see a six buck low. 
And how high did he get? He got the I point. didn't take that. I went from the low of the movement. Yeah, that's the, you know what? And that would have stung you in American Airlines yesterday because you were looking from the, from the breakout. Oh, you like the whole low of the movement. I like the whole. I mean, especially when they move up like that. But, uh, yeah, I looked from 6 to, uh, let's call it 24. That's easy. 18, 9. Yeah, 15, 16 bucks. Um, another stock, and, and it's not a trash stock, but – uh, Ford, like, where do you throw that in there? I mean, that's a dog stock, no, but they got dog. that thing it's, over it's not, 760. I, then, I throw it in the same thing. Six, yeah. six bucks, oh, you're getting a six bucks. That was the breakout. So you're coming back to the breakout zone where, you know, there's going to be some memory down here. It's an interesting setup at six bucks here today. You know what? Some of these, some of these stocks have really been beat up. There's going to be an opportunity potentially today to actually get long some of these things as trades. But... If they open and they continue to leak and start taking out the 50% retracement, before it opens at six bucks and starts going 580, it's like, oh, okay, it's not working. So again, my out is, you know, going to be defined from that opening price today. And if they don't come back up through those opening prices, I may never enter the trades. But if I do enter the trades, my out would be then the low of the day. So again, defining my risk before I enter the trade. All right, what do you want to cover, Spencer? We got three yeah, minutes. A couple minutes left, and before I'm, I'm going to grab our next guest of the day. Oh, uh, man, I wish I could. I'm trying to go through the chat, trying to go back. How about genius? We got a lot of lot of uh, calls on this genius. I don't, even know, I don't know what that is. Uh, yeah, it's, I, I don't want to talk about it either, but um, it, no, it's, it's one of these. Yeah, I, I don't know what to tell well, people. That's that why I try, I try to be generic with it. If you're in like a Genius Brands or a yeah. or an Express Spot this morning or something. All this stuff is the, is a story. There's a story. It got hot. Story's cooled off. Stock's broken now. Is it going back to 10 bucks? Probably not. Okay. Is it going back to 5 bucks? Probably not. It's down 274. It looks like everybody's caught in this thing. It's probably going back to zero eventually. My thoughts. I know nothing about the company. I don't even know what they do. But just looking at this technical, I would think this stock eventually, when I look at it six months from now, is under a buck. It, this uh, this got Citron too. That's my thoughts. This got Citron. Just too, from uh, knowing nothing about the company, we'll look at it, write it down, look at, it, put a note in your calendar, look at this in six months. I think within six months it's under a buck. We do have people that will write that down and, and call you I don't out like in it. six months. And I don't then, like that chart at all. And then remind Sorry. us. Sorry. Uh, here's a stock we can look at, and uh, I believe we asked about this yesterday as well, but Roku. You know what? Man, I have a love-hate with this stock. I trade it all the <laughs> Me time. Me too, Dennis. Me too. I, I, the valuation is ridiculous. It's still just TiVo Part 2, in my opinion. This is the hookup for you know getting you online, and TiVo was the same thing. To, you know, Obviously, do DVRing, and then they put, started putting in every receiver and every, you know, and then TiVo, obviously. And, and where is TiVo? It's still thing. around. It's still yeah. around. You know what's hanging Roku around. will still be around. The valuation is ridiculous. It's the, the hot thing. But again, this is a lockdown play. So in the potential that we have to go in a second lockdown, Roku should perform well. But it didn't perform that well in May. It should have done better with some of these other lockdown stocks. And yes, it came back from the lows, but it didn't take off and like, you know, like a Shopify and start breaking out, making new highs like Netflix. So that's concerning in itself. A hundred bucks is the line in the sand for this. If you're buying it, you absolutely do not want to own this under a hundred dollars. Because if it goes under a hundred dollars, it's gonna be at eighty, I think. So I'd say if you're buying pullbacks, that would be my out. Maybe I'm going to nibble on some. This is a lockdown play. But don't get married to this position because I don't think the value is there for this thing long term. Yeah, it looked like it was breaking out yesterday. It cleared that 115, a couple days of consolidation, peeled back off the close. Someone is asking about this during the afternoon show. 
And it's just, it's pesky there. It looked like it had a breakout. If this holds in there pretty well today, I see you're right about that one, um, that uh, $100 level. We made that low at 10019. Maybe if you're looking for a little bit lower risk trade, like you don't want to risk from uh, 110, uh, 108.60 is your two day low. See how it reacts there? I mean, there is a four buck drop to the next daily low, but you know, if you're looking at it and also the other thing I like about that 108, which is going back to the 50%, you had a bump from 100 to 116, halfway back, people that feel they missed the bottom of this really want to own it, they'll be making bids there at 108. So not a bad level there in Roku. And Spencer's going to come over to my house. I'm going to get rid of my cable and he's going to set up Roku and we okay. do all the internet. Right, I'm going to get my bills way down this weekend. Okay, okay, Joel, this weekend. All right, uh, on that note, it's 9 o'clock. I want to bring on our next guest, uh, Joel and Dennis, if you want to hang out. I'm going to say goodbye, but I'll be listening. I'm going to say goodbye. Hey, folks, if you want to cover some more issues, join me on hotmic.io, code Joel317. I'll cover all the issues we missed. I'll be over there in a minute. And uh, Spencer, who's our guest tomorrow? Who's our guest Uh, tomorrow? Uh, tomorrow's guest is Jason Rasnick. I know that guy. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm on now with Steve Kalajian, though. He's a chief market strategist and co-founder of Ticker Talker. Steve, good morning. Hey, good morning, Spencer. Thanks for having me. Good morning, everybody. Uh, all right. Let's just start macro here, Steve. Uh, it's been a while since we caught up. How have you handled uh, – let's talk about how did you handle the sell-off and how have you handled this rally here in the past month, month and a half? So when we got that push down below 19,000, we probably have one of the most uh, oversold conditions and probably in my 36 years uh, of uh, being in the industry. And I knew we were going to get a a pretty good rally back. I thought we were going to get a rally back probably between the 22.5 and the 23.5 range. Um, But when we exceeded those levels, I thought that there was um, a disconnect here. Um, I saw some... uh, uh, significant uh, patterns on the weekly charts that I have, and um, basically um, uh, using my own predictive analytics, uh, when we pushed up above the 27,000 and the S&Ps above the 3,200, I was looking for uh, a top <coughs> between the, uh, actually the 3,150 and the 3,200 range. I think the print high was 3,221, uh, which was, I think, yesterday. And um, so basically I was looking at a means divergence. And so using my predictive analytics, we were some $19 away, 19 points away uh, on the exchange traded fund spiders uh, from my weighted moving average. And uh, you know, I was letting a lot of people know that there are other ways to play the market for downside, for example, like the SDAOs, the TZAs, uh, the quids, and uh, instruments like that. Um, but I do believe that um, the next push down should make a higher low. I'm a big believer uh, that uh, the way if you look up, uh, I don't know if you have my chart or not, I think I sent it to you, but there are so many gaps below the market and being involved in this game. And I only trade gaps when there's excessive moves to the down and upside. So because I do believe that the gaps eventually do get filled. If you look at the spiders, there's a monstrous gap at the 286 level. So that um, for me could bring you to an oversold condition for another push up. Um, I, I think that uh, the rotation into the NASDAQ was something that uh, obviously up, you know, close to, you know, 4,000 points uh, off the low there. But basically I think that the next push down, uh, which I think should make a higher low, 
uh, I think the NASDAQ is the place to be going. So forward. is that how you're positioned now? You're positioned for uh, a, a, a what downside to what, the 290 area or something like that? Well, I'm looking for a potential. Now, ultimately, if you, if I, again, <coughs> I sent you my charts. I don't know if you have them or not. But uh, there's a gap on the spiders at the 248 level, which brings the Dow ultimately down to the 20,500, 21,000 range. I don't know if we get there this time around, um, but uh, ultimately I do see the first target around the 286 level on the spiders. And that, you know, that could be another, you know, um, where are we now? 306. So you're probably talking another 1500 points lower before we get a, uh, some type of a bounce. Um, again, you know, looking at the way the market traded in the last week and a half, we were up what, six, seven days in a row. You had probably one of the most, you know, in the last five years, overbought conditions based upon my work. So again, I think that the volatility is here to stay. I think there are great names to buy on these pullbacks. Um, one of my favorite stocks, uh, when I heard that Amazon was gonna hire 100,000 new people, uh, I said that Amazon, when it was 1627, was the stock to buy and it rallied a thousand points. But names like Facebook, Microsoft, uh, Amazon, uh, Apple in that space, I do believe will make higher lows in the in the months ahead. Okay, so outside of the same group, is there a particular area, a sector, an industry that you're that you're bullish on, or maybe even just that you're particularly bearish on? Yeah, um, well, you know, basically, I don't like the financials. Uh, I don't like I don't like the oil service stocks or oil stocks here. I think that. So you, so you would just fade the rally in the in, in XLF or in the banks or any of these any of these. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't like the. I mean, when the airlines were up uh, two days ago, I was jumping up and down like a you know a, a gorilla who hasn't eaten in a month, and I'm just saying to myself, Good Lord, God, there's, there's no there's no rhyme or reason to be buying these airlines up at these levels, you know. And Boeing hit a high of what two twenty seven and. It, it, yeah. it, you know, exploded. And, um, you know, I just thought that, let I me mean, look, it went parabolic here. It's just, um, uh, just, uh, and look at the, the significant overhead resistance above. So I didn't think that, and then what, they came out, uh, some news agency reported that the airlines are going to lose like 85 billion this year and 100 billion next year. So, but, you know, again, I think there's better names to be buying in, in you know, going forward. Yeah, I mean the the Jets ETF is just absurd. It was they had thirty how much they had thirty uh thirty million in assets on March second, and they're up to a billion in assets. So right. it's just somebody I don't know who, but so, a lot of people just have been buying and buying and buying and buying, and unfortunately a lot of them are now trapped. So well, it, it could also have been you know you know one of the most vicious rallies, and again this August for us I'll be in trading for 37 years is short covering rallies can really, you know, disguise themselves as a rally too, you yeah. know? And yeah, I think short covering rally, <laughs> rallies are probably, in my opinion, more vicious than an ordinary rally. Yeah. Because, you know, that's just from my experience. So that's a really good point, Steve. Uh, you know, you've been trading, as you mentioned, for 37 years, but we've never experienced a hundred day period like this one, where the sell off was as swift and the rebound was as swift. So, and what, how do you deal with that? You, you sort of have to throw everything, your experience, nothing compares to this, right? So how do you, how do you trade this? How do you deal with this market? Well, again, I use my own predictive analytics. Uh, I, I have uh, a, a lot of people here at Ticker Talker that yeah. are experts uh, on my platform, plus 
you know, whether I look at my specialty is, uh, is day trading the markets, but I also have intermediate and long-term views that people follow me on. Uh, so again, at TickerTalker, we have uh, uh, so many different professional leaders that have uh, skills in so many different, uh, you know, areas of trading. So, but again, to answer your question, I would believe this was never going to be a V. This was going to be a U, right? So I never believed that we were going to, we were going to do this. And I know that Larry Kudlow thought that the third quarter of this year, we were going to have, ex, you know, excessive growth. And I think any, and I do believe we are in a recession. Uh, so I don't believe that, you know, you come out of a recession after the second quarter. I think it takes sometimes 12 to 14 quarters to come out of a recession. Uh, uh, Steve, so, Steve, tell me all those miners, they aren't all yours, right? I mean, they aren't, that's not your setup, right? Like, yeah, I have 40 miners I stare at all day. Wait, seriously? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my I goodness. Mean, I was given a gift and I just, I'm able to see things and produce, you know, and give people. How, how did you, I don't even, 40? 40? That's what you said? Yeah. 40 wow. monitors. I, I, I've got five. I've been doing this, I've been doing this my whole life. I mean, I've been, I was given a gift and people come here and they can see, boom, I can go to the wow. bathroom, come back and I'm like, okay, short the S&Ps you know, or, wow. or, or short Boeing or something. So. Yeah, I built my own predictive analytics. So I was able to, um, and, and you know, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, an ideological uh, process here. So basically, you know, I look at things that are going to move the market. Obviously, the ETFs, the four big ETFs, the Diamond yeah. Spiders, the Cuse, the Russell, and then I look at the the continuous contracts, and then I look at the big, big, uh, you know, Fang stocks, obviously, and and all the other names in the industry that, you know, that I can fit here. I look at gold, silver, yeah. but I'm able to see things in, in a way that really produces the content for the average person. And I'm teaching my predictive analytics to them at the same time as I'm calling out the ideas. Right, Steve, give us one stock or ETF that is on your radar for today specifically. For today, I think for, for a trade or for- Yeah, for a trade. Yeah, I, well, they're going to gap down probably seven, eight hundred points. I think I do believe that the spiders are probably a good buy at the opening or right after the opening for a good, you know, some type of a bounce on the queues most likely. These are these, I think, because when you gap down like that, I know the pattern. They'll set up <laughs> probably between ten fifteen and eleven o'clock for a short. Uh, well, but I do believe that you can, you know, if. You buy a little bit on the opening, they push down, you buy more, I think, I think you're going to get a good snap back. Okay. All right. Steve Kalajan is the co-founder and the chief market strategist at TickerTalker. Steve, thanks so much for the time today. Thanks, Spencer. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. All right. And on that note, that'll be a wrap as we uh, head towards the lows of the pre-market session here. I don't even know if we've bounced at all here since the show started. Uh, you don't see that too often on our show, but we, I guess we're off the lows by a hair, but not by a lot. So anyway, uh, that's it for us. Thanks to our guests, uh, Steve Kalajian and Mark Chicken. Thanks to all of you in our chats. Please don't forget to hit that like button and subscribe on YouTube. It helps us with their algorithm. You can always catch a replay of this show on our podcast or uh, on YouTube, whichever platform you prefer. And please remember that all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes and not for investing or trading advice. Everyone have a great rest of your Thursday. Joel and I will be back at 3.40 for the afternoon show. Until then, stay safe and good luck out there. 
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.